Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Jenna. Welcome to The Art of Murder. This is a podcast where we talk about art and murder. Or, you know. Or none of the above. And just about ourselves. Speaking of which. I hear Bowie drinking out of the toilet. Can I discuss none of the above for a second? Mm Mm-hmm. I would like to read you something, Jenna. I'd like to hear something from you. This is an article. Okay. And sometimes life is, how do I say, it's very frustrating. It's, um, you know, I don't know. There's a lot going on in life and life can be a horrible place Yeah. sometimes. And I would like for you to hear this article. I went like this to blow a hair off of my phone. Did you really? <laughs> I blew into the mic when I meant to blow around the mic. Okay. This is what some people's lives are all about. Ugly, inferior, cocoa confection catastrophe. What? Again, I'm going to read that because that was hard to say. Ugly, inferior, cocoa confection catastrophe. Huh? I would like to talk to you about how before Christmas this year of 20, so it was 2018, Mm -hmm. we're now 2019. Hershey's kisses, the tips of them, were found broken off. Bakers had sharp words for the Hershey company this month after buying bags of Hershey's kisses, a popular adornment on holiday cookies. Is that what it is? Adornment? Yeah. Yeah. Holiday cookies, only to discover a flaw was small in size, but giant and eyesore. The tip was missing on each piece of chocolate. Instead of sloping into a rounded conical peak, <laughs> can, can you, can I, I don't know. C-O-N-I-C-A-L? Conical? Conical. Yeah, sure. Go with it. Instead of sloping into a rounded conical peak, which maybe is especially, I mean, these chocolates were topped with an unsightly jagged edge. Do you hear this? A spokesperson for her, she said in a statement this week that the company was taking this very seriously. It was not clear how many kisses were affected. We make more than 70 million kisses a day here at the Hershey in Pennsylvania. And we want each of them looking great as they taste, looking as great as they taste. Jeff Beckman, a spokesperson, spokesman said, my God, an operation team at the company was working to improve the appearance because of its importance as important to us as it is to our fans. Of course. I'm I'm fucking pissed right now. The problem was noted by Debbie Sheets of Greensburg, Pennsylvania on December third post in the wedding cookie table community Facebook group. It's my favorite. I, I, I you signed should, up. Everyone should all, be there. A hundred times just yeah, because good. once wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Sheets shared a picture of her <laughs> peanut butter blossoms. Each featuring a tipless Hershey's kiss in the middle. She says, they baked okay, but I'm but not with a nice pointy tip that I'm used to or I expect from Hershey. She wrote, adding, I'm still steaming. Tabernacle. Say so. She's still steaming. Yeah. A month later, okay? I would be too. I mean let's let's really talk about this yeah you know what let it let us talk about it if this was the hershey's factory in canada in smithsville none of this shit would be happening right now but no they had to close it down and they had to open up a weed grow up which i'm also happy about so 
Win-win all around. But if this was in Canada, this shit would not fucking be happening. There would be fucking tips on those kisses. Let me tell you, there would be no jagged Ed tipless Hershey Hershey kisses, kisses. And nobody would be steaming and hopping mad. All those baked goods would look pristine. And instead... Christmas is ruined, Jenna. Absolutely. Other bakers re- had responded to, they too had bought bags of kisses with missing tips. How? Where did they go? How This dare is they? what my story's based on today. Where did the Hershey's tips go? Yeah. Who took them? Did they, did little elves open them up and take little bites? Uh, this is an excellent question. And it says, what in the name of sweet confection was going on? Uh. <laughs> Pretty much how I feel about it. Yeah. This. On Facebook, Hershey responded to the individual complaints from bakers in several states saying that the company was looking into it. On Wednesday, Hershey used broken tips, used the broken tips to deliver a message about diversity. Listen to this. Oh boy. The social media posts showed kisses of different varieties alongside ones with missing tips. With a quote saying, warm hearts this holiday season and take the time to celebrate our differences. My God. This did not satisfy the buyers of the tipless kisses. American bakers want to have a real answer. What happened? Why it happened? And what exactly they're going to do about it? And when we may expect a resolution to the problem, says Tamsin Di Plasio, a home baker in Baltimore, wrote on the Facebook page Good. on Thursday. Speak your fucking truth. She was making peanut butter blossoms this month for a holiday gathering when she noticed all the tips of Hershey's kisses were gone. The remnants were nowhere to be found. How atrocity. What, what in atro- the world? Yeah. Exactly. Because you know what? Fuck all those starving kids that need food. No, well, this this, is, this is a national this is a crisis. Problem. This here, this is important. This needs to be in a newspaper. Wait, it is. No, this the government oh, the needs government. to step in. You know what? This is true. CIA yeah. maybe? Oh. I want to know where. You know what? I bet you it's Hershey's company trying to skim from the top. There's buckets and barrels over there with just Hershey's tips. Tips. Just the tip. Yeah. And then <laughs> they also use this as a way to show their their strength and solidarity towards diversity. diversity. Shit, those bastards. Conspiracy theories. In an interview on Saturday, someone Miss de Blasio said she and other bakers would like an apology mm-hmm. for being sold defective products at top dollar. Around Christmas time. Around Christmas time. Hershey's receives about 8,000 customer inquiries each month. And in December, approximately 2% were about broken tips. Of course they were. I understand. Uh, but only solid chocolate oh kisses were affected. Not all of them. Not oh. the filled kisses. Oh. Which are made by a different production process, he said. Um, all solid kisses distributed in the United States are made at the Pennsylvania Hershey's thingamajiggy. Not in Canada. because no. there were, Again, let me just reiterate this. There would have been no problem had they been made in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's yeah. true. But if you take anything to the States, it gets ruined. Again, Mrs. de Blasio, <laughs> who's 56, who has been baking with Hershey's Kisses for more than 30 years. Oh, girl. And toured the Hershey's plant as a child. Make sure to put music here. Mm-hmm. Said it's a candy that has always been close to her heart. That's why seeing the broken tips on peanut butter blossoms made her sad. 
Some people might say, my goodness, just eat the cookie. There are bigger things to worry about in life, Mr. Blasio said. At the same time, it's Christmas and you're putting your best foot forward. End of article. Yeah, because that's all we should do. <laughs> Only around Christmas, our best foot goes forward. Absolutely. I never laughed so hard. Jesus Christ. Reading this article. My my student, she's 12, and she's like, something about, I said something about chocolate chips, and she goes, oh, you're not supposed to bake with chocolate chips anymore. I'm like, what? She goes, I don't know, something about Hershey's chocolate chips or something. What are you talking what? about? So I Googled it. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, what What can't you do? And then I, I came across this article. She goes, that's what it is. It's the kisses. And she, I read it, and I'm laughing. Yep. So hard. <laughs> First word of problems, everybody. Holy moly. And I, haven't even read, I didn't read the whole article because of a little history Wait, of the Hershey. Wait, so there's more to this story. Well, there's just like about the history. I kind of skimmed through some of it. I just like the, the, how it made her sad. Oh, yeah. How it made them Heartbroken. steaming, steaming mad. Because oh, people won't eat your cookies. And people are dying from starvation and if don't have drinking those, water. Those cases of tips, yep. we can give it to the people that are dying. Yeah. But then actually, no, the bakers would want them. Uh, yes. The bakers first. Like, I get it. Maybe write a letter to the company. But to go on, to go on this, like, tyrant, 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 tyrant. Fuck, I can't talk. To go on this. Tyrant? Rant. Rant. <laughs> pitchforks and all. Ab- about the fact that your cookies don't have chocolate tips and your Christmas baking isn't perfect. <laughs> You can eat my asshole. But it's all about the tip. That's what they told me in high school. (laughs) (laughs) And do 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 boom 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 boom. nothing to do with nothing but it was beautiful it was that was great excellent i liked how you really have a way with delivering stuff (laughs) like you just passion it is passion passion for the tips (laughs) you know everybody needs their snakes in the world And we are sitting in our snace, our pod snace. Pod snace. By the pod way, snace. the new word for space is snace. Yeah. You guys missed the inside joke, mm-hmm. but you just know. Yeah. Inside jokes. Inside jokes. You got to be here in our pod snace. Okay. Are you going to tell me about a murder? Wait, who's first? Mm, I think you are. Oh, I am first? So we're doing... Okay. Okay. So I d- maybe some of our followers don't know what had happened we well it depends if they're listening to them all yeah but if you're just joining us for the first time this is um, the art of murder mm -hmm. welcome yeah i'm jenna i'm julie i think we already did this but whatever who cares everyone loves to know who we are um everyone loves us when we first started our very first episode we uh i totally fucked i fucked it up 
we didn't have the right equipment. Well, you didn't fuck it up. We just well, didn't have the right equipment. Yeah, we didn't have the right equi- equipment. So the audio was really garbage. And uh, we decided to delete that episode and just kind of start from fresh. And we didn't re-record it. We went with a brand, two brand new stories. And we've always wanted to revisit both of these. Because yes. I love the story you're going to tell. Like it's my... It, like I like your story. My organic reaction to me finding out what you were going to do for our very first episode made me so goddamn happy because this is this is in our this is the it was the best story to do to kick off our the art of murder podcast it really was but so guess what i want everyone to sit back in their chair or in their streetcar seat you know in the bathtub or driving i want don't close your eyes if you're driving or operating a vehicle of any kind but just i want you to go back in your mind six or seven months ago who knows how long ago back in september of 2018 and i want you to picture two girls sitting on a couch for the first time ever recording a podcast nervous very nervous that would change their lives forever and embrace these two stories the retelling of these two stories this is magic You get to experience me trying to pronounce a bunch of names and a bunch of places that I'm going to butcher horribly. That's my favorite thing. Sagawa. (laughs) Welcome to Julie not being able to speak. Give me this. Oh, headphone switch. Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. I hope I do this justice. You will. It was fresher before. <laughs> okay. Like I would tips. like to tell you, Jenna, mm-hmm. the tip of this story that takes snace in the 1500s. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yes. Of Michelangelo Merisi da Caravaggio. Oh. So, Caravaggio. Yeah. Or Caravaggio. I'm so I'm I'm actually really excited to hear this again because I loved it. I loved it. Hearing it brought you back to good snace in your time. Yeah, like <laughs> snace. It's a happy snace in my life. Happy snace in my life. Okay, Caravaggio, born September 28th, 1571, in Milan, the which is a Spanish Empire, right? Yes. He's an Italian painter, for those of you who don't know, active in Rome, Naples, Malta, and Sicily from the early 1590s to 1610. His paintings combined a realistic observation of the human state, both physical and emotional, with dramatic use of lighting, which had a formative influence on the Baroque painting. Baroque? And like I always say, if it's not Baroque, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That's that's my favorite joke ever that you tell. I love it. It does not get old. It's like I'm clocks clocks works works clocks works clocks works clocks works. My God, I can't speak already for things that I should know how to speak. <laughs> anyway, so in um, point form, this guy painted crime scenes. Okay, he. I'm gonna go ahead and say he's like a murderino. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Crime scene, blood, hair, gore, all of this stuff. Mm, gore. <laughs> mm, gore. Mm, gore. Mm, gore. Um, so his early life, by the way, I got all of this. I, when I was rereading the notes, I'm like, where did I get this information from? Because <laughs> the first episode, we didn't write that down. is from Wikipedia. Oh. And good, other, good. other little websites, but I'm going to go ahead and say I'm pretty much reading you Wikipedia. Well, didn't you also, uh, you were, you were at chapters or something and found a couple books. Yeah. Based on the stuff too, right? Yeah, but I don't, was he in there? I, I thought think, he was. I don't think he was. Okay. And somebody suggested for me to do this. No idea who that is now. Oh, I do believe you had mentioned it. I'll have to, whatever. whatever. But thank you to that person because yeah, this is perfect. Good times. Caravaggio was born in Milan. I think I said that. Well, where his father, Fermo, I'm not going to say the last names or middle name. They used to be named from towns that they were from. I looked that up the first time. So they're whatever. Fermo is his dad's name, was Fermo. a household administrator and architect decorator to some important people, like some peeps. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like high up there and, you know, when you know the rich. Like an aristocrat? Like, so, like. <clears throat> You're saying words that Socialite. I don't know. Socialite. Um, yeah. Like one of those cats from the Disney movie? Yes. Yes. That's exactly. Uh, his mother, Lucia, came from a propertied family of the same district. Okay, so. Good shit. In 1576, the family moved to Caravaggio. There we go. That's where he got his name. To escape a plague that ravaged Milan. And Caravaggio's father and grandfather both died there on the same day in 1577. He was only six years old. His family kept a connection with the Sforzas and the powerful Colonna family who were allied by marriage. So Sforzas and Colonna are important powerful, rich motherfuckers. And they also, Sforzas and Colonna, some people got married together to continue power housing the powerness. Like the Capulets and Montague, Montagues. Yeah, but were they allowed to get married? Oh, no, they no. weren't. So I'm incorrect. That's right. You're Damn so it, wrong. I fail. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father. Something my name? Yes. Yeah, there's a word there. I forget. Whatever. <laughs> they were big shots and ran the show pretty much, This fam- these families. Uh, and they played a big role later in Caravaggio's life. That's right. Pin that shit. His mother died in 1584. He was about 13 years old. The same year, he began a four-year apprenticeship with the Mil- Milanese painter Simon Pietrozano. That one's pretty easy. He developed a name as an artist and as a violent, touchy, and provocative man. He had drastic mood swings and a love for drinking and gambling and was also a frequent fighter. So he he became the shit. Like, I'm gonna be straight up. This guy definitely knew how to fucking paint. Okay? And Yeah, his work's gorgeous. It's fucking something else. I don't know why I wanna say fuck all the time right now, but his work is unbelievable and just I wish I could paint crime scenes like that. Uh, so his art Chiaroscuro. Chiaroscuro. Yes. But spelt Chiara. Chiaroscuro. <laughs> Chiaroscuro. Whatever. A way of describing light and dark. So it's dramatic. Or uh, tenebrism became that after. It's kind of the same thing. It's essentially like a huge contrast between light and dark, where most of his paintings was dark with a very strong, like, 
light light source so like zoe's like zoe's yes, exactly okay. like zoe's Zork. oh okay zoe's Zork is pretty much caravaggio right now oh my god my heart yeah except swooning i was gonna say except less bloody but oh, oh. Mm, to come to come oh, i'm excited um also called illumination by the way where there are violent contrasts of light and dark i'm just reading my little notes here uh, darkness becomes dominating a feature in the image very popular during the baroque period and guys if your painting style is not baroque oh my god don't fix it <laughs> i swear we haven't been drinking have tea. well that's not true wait i have you have it's true this is good i like and this. i'm normal <laughs> no i'm never normal but you know what i mean oh shit. This is good so caravaggio used these techniques and styles to express crucial moments and scenes often featuring violent struggles <laughs> grotesque decapitation <laughs> torture <laughs> and death <laughs> <laughs> he worked rapidly with live models. Oh, doesn't sound like a good rapidly. idea. Rapidly, rapidly <clears throat> of live models, uh, preferring to forego drawing and work directly on canvas, which was like a big faux pas back then. So, like some people are like, "Really, you didn't draw first? Ew, gross! You just painted right on the canvas." So unacceptable. Well, yeah, when we talk about that, that would be technically like an underpainting. Is that is that what he sort of? did he took his he would underpaint sort of like the you know when we do still life and you always say use blue yes to start i think it's instead of like drawing i don't know if they would draw it out or whatever it's like the preliminary work is not there so uh, he would just go straight up onto the canvas i'm sure he would have some sort of like outline yeah that he did like in his paint like yeah so underpainting is usually when you paint like sections of it so you're not just outlining it. Mm-hmm. underpainting is like you're getting your color blotting down so that you kind of see and usually like depending on what medium you're using, could be a thinner or lighter, then you build up on top of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it's like how I will go to paint without a pencil. Yeah. In a sense. I mean, I don't know I wasn't there, but I'm assuming he's just painting right on the canvas. So he's not drawing it out. He doesn't have, um, like, preliminary work, you'd have maybe drawings where you capture the light and dark and your shadows, and then you have it to kind of look, and then you can paint it. So then you always have your picture to refer to it as well. Yeah. And it's then, pretty brilliant, though, to think that, like, he rapidly basically like laid down the model work yeah and then was like be gone and i I get it out of my snace he's that good he doesn't need out of my snace (laughs) (laughs) get the snace out of here i'm like no now i'm just using snace as like any word Uh, it works yeah um yeah yeah crime scenes so he would i just note here that he a lot of times people of this time would be painting like these horrific religious scenes and that kind of thing um oh it's that kind of thing i hate saying that whatever um in this idealistic manner Mm -hmm. he would be more real and raw yeah so he would show like some shit uh also a note i would like to add uh artists later on or following his influence were called caravaggisti or it's caravaggesque (laughs) um yeah, that's what I gotta say. So in 1592, Caravaggio got into some quarrels and injured a police officer. That's always smart. Yeah, you should <clears throat> don't don't poke that bear, man. No. Uh, so like a good stand-up man that he is, after that he just fled to Milan. Yep. Uh, oh no, sorry, not to Milan. He was in Milan. I'm like, wait a minute, fled from Milan to Rome. Okay. 
Uh, the young artist arrived in Rome, quote, naked and extremely needy, without a fixed address and without provisions, short of money. So I don't know where these quotes are coming from because I had them written originally, but I don't know. I think it's, uh, there was a book mm-hmm. written. Oh, shit. Don't know who wrote it. What? Go to Wikipedia, you'll find it. And it's about like life and times of Caravaggio, pretty mm-hmm. much. Uh, and when they say naked, I don't think they mean him without any clothes on. I think they mean with him without having any provisions. No, yeah. No Basically, clothes. he he just he nothing up but the and skin left. of his back. Yeah. Or clothes on his back. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and I guess if you, you know, when you're running away from the law, yeah, you don't really you've have time got, to pack. Yeah, you don't have, yeah. So he ended up working for an artist in a factory-like workshop. Think Studio 54, but not as cool. Mm. Um, he eventually left after he had a heated argument. What? Yeah, with the person who worked there. So determined to make it on his own. At this point, he made some extremely important friendships with a painter named... <laughs> Here we go. Prospero Orsi. Mm-hmm. Call him Orsi. An architect named Honorio Longhi. And a 16-year-old Sicilian artist named Mario Miniti. So, um, that was beautiful. Thank you. Orsi, which is the painter, established in a profe- in his profession, so he was already established, introduced Caravaggio to like influential influential collectors. So like really got him into that scene. And he already kind of knew rich people, but now he's moved and he's a different area. So this guy's like, look at this guy's rich. This guy's rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Minini, Miniti, which is the 16-year-old boy, uh, was often a model for his painting. Uh, pausing that there for a while. <laughs> uh, there is a lot of speculation. Mm. He never, Caravaggio never painted nude women. He painted women, but never painted nude women, but would paint a lot of really young boys with very plump lips and these like come over here kind of looks. And you could kind of see it in his paintings. Like femboys. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, young and there's a lot. And then like, oh, here's my fruit basket. Do you want a fruit? I don't know why I have a French accent there. Do you want my fruit a little bit here? (laughs) In Pompovu? Um... Anyway, yes, that exactly one. I think that was on our on our Facebook I'm, I think or so not too. our Instagram. Look at him, like soft mm-hmm. eyes. Like very, you're right, very plump lips. It looks like a lady with her hair up but in a way. The but lips like this. The one thing that I'm noting in this too is that uh, in this painting, the shirt is just slightly down yes. off the shoulder, and you can see the definition in that muscle, which you get is masculine. Yeah. There's a little it. je ne sais quoi there. It's hot. I'm not saying... <laughs> Uh-oh. Genesis Especially the fruit. The fruit? It's oh, yeah. Fruit. I forgot he's 16 now. I feel gross now. Technically, that's legal in Canada. Oh, still. It's I, gross. Still makes me uncomfortable. Very much so. Okay, so Menini, yeah, his model. Okay. Hmm. And Longhi, who is the uh, architect, introduced Caravaggio to the world of Roman... Street brawls. Wow. I don't know why that song came there. Uh, so it that's fit. It. it fit. It did it? Okay, good. Yeah. So that's what a good fucking idea. The guy who's got anger issues gets street brawls. Maybe they could start a fight club. <gasps> Make some soap too. Yeah. Uh, also, side note, Caravaggio and Orsi, the guy, the, the street brawling. No, he's the painter. Sorry. Uh, they witnessed a crime now i don't know what it is near san luigi de francesi 
So don't know what happened, but they witnessed something notably enough to have somehow we know we know that he witnessed a crime. So that, again, could add to a little bit of the fucked upness. Caravaggio was in and out of trouble, of course, with his anger. Uh, he had a short prison sentence in 1603 when a painter put in a complaint that Caravaggio attacked him. His temper temper kept getting worse and worse as the years went by. So, for example, in 1604, he threw a plate of artichokes at a waiter. We don't know why. <laughs> artichokes. Artichokes. Maybe his thumb was stuck in there or something. We're not sure. Uh, in 1605, he attacked Roman guards with stones. <laughs> um, Caravaggio, for a while, was described like this. After a fortnight's that means 14 days, not the game, okay? After a fortnight's work, he will swagger about for a month or two with a sword at his side and a servant following him from one ball court to the next, ever ready to engage in a fight or an argument so that it was most awkward to get along with him. Hmm. Yeah, good kid. Uh, so, a crime too many is what this part of the story is called. 1606. Caravaggio, with his tumultuous life, his notorious brawling, even in a time and place when the behavior was common, his police records and trial proceedings filled several pages. Yeah. That's how we know what's happening. On May 29th, 1606. <gasps> That's my birthday. <laughs> <clears throat> On Jenna's birthday... Years before she was born. Years. His luck or the luck of someone else finally ran out. Caravaggio killed, possibly unintentionally, a young man named, oh shit, Ranuccio Tomassoni. Tomassoni. Nice. From Terni, Umbria, central Italy. <laughs> Nobody cares. Um... The circumstances of the brawl and the death of Tomassoni remains mysterious. Now, several newsletters refer to a quarrel over a gambling debt and a tennis game. And this explanation has become the most popular explanation. But, but Jenna, recent scholars has made it more clear. Oh, shit. Recent scholars has made, has made it clear that more was involved. Whatever the details, it was a serious matter. Another rumor is that Caravaggio was having an affair with Tomassoni's wife, which led to an Ill Ill illegitimate daughter, huh? which is my favorite theory. Even though he Even might have like, been in, like, been into little boys, little boys. Yeah, you can. Well, you maybe yeah. just a hornball. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah, hornball. <laughs> Sounds like a game. <laughs> you want to play hornball? <clears throat> I do. Flaming hornball. <laughs> we light the balls on fire. Uh, previously, his high-ranking clients, okay, always protected him from his like all of his consequences, from his actions, his escapades. But now these like rich people, important people, and all that shit, they couldn't do anything. Like Caravaggio killed somebody. He was outlawed, and he had a death sentence hanging over his head. Where's Caravaggio? We are going to kill him, is what the police said. Just 
joking that's not what they said but he had a death sentence hanging over his head so of course what do you think the Caravaggio did he fled run away with nothing but the shirt on his back probably so first he went to uh the estate of the Colonna family south of Rome then on to Naples where Costanza Colonna Sforza widow of Francesco Sforza so Costanza Colonna married Mm -hmm. Francesco Sforza so but he died uh, she maintained a palace. So in Naples, that's where he stayed, which was just outside of the jurisdiction of the Roman authorities and protected by the Colonna family, the most famous painter in Rome became the most famous painter in Naples. <laughs> he just goes from one place he to one place borders. and just becomes like super famous wherever yeah. he goes. Yeah, because he's so fucking good. He's a murderer and he's a fucking psycho, but he's so good, which most artists, I guess, are not murderers, but a little bit weirdos. Off. Yeah. So his connections with the Colonas led to a stream of important church commissions. So the guy who killed somebody and beat people up. So including the Madonna of the Rosary and the Seven Works of Mercy, which is all still housed in the church of Pio Monte della Misericordia. Beautiful. So good. Well done. In Naples. Caravaggio combined all seven works of mercy in one composition, which became the church's altar. Done by a murderer. Woohoo! Despite his success in Naples, after only a few months in the city, Caravaggio left for Malta, the headquarters of the Knights of Malta. Fabrizio Sforza Colonna, that is Costanza's son, so the widow. Okay. Okay. His son, her son, was a knight of Malta and uh, general of the Orders of Galleys, whatever that means. He had facilitated Caravaggio's arrival on the island in 1607. Okay, so that guy, Fabrizio, big family guy, helped Caravaggio get there in 1607. Side note, he also helped him escape the next year. Okay, I'll tell you why. So Caravaggio hoped that getting Aloft de Windecourt, the Grand Master of the Knights of St. John, as a client, could help him secure a pardon for Tom- Tomasoni's ah, death. So he was looking for a papal pardon. He's looking for an out. He wants <clears throat> an out. He wants the Pope to be like, yes, you're forgiven. Yeah. This knight is going to tell the Pope... Of the master of the night, the Pope that, no, this guy, no, he's, you got to forgive him, you know? And that's what he wanted. So, and, and it's like back then too, the Pope was almost was higher God. ranking. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like for he sure. Sp- oh, well, he spoke for the man upstairs, the one true, you know, the the one person that everybody quote, like probably, you know, they think they answer to. So he's high, the, the Pope well, was higher than the law in a yes, sense. Yes, 100%. And you're saying back then... I was just watching the keepers on Netflix. Right. Which is the seventies. It's still just as bad. Oh yeah. They own the police. They owned everything. You know what? Now that you've watched the keepers, you need to watch, um, spotlight, which is the, uh, Boston globe story of how they basically blew up a lot of the, um, um, uh, popiness of the, <laughs> the pedophilia and yeah. stuff going on too. Once you're finished with Keepers, which is so sad but it's amazing, yeah. check out Spotlight next. That's my recommendation. Okay. And then the Bundy tapes. So, but well, by the, by the time we, you guys listen to this, I probably listen. I probably saw that. Yeah, she's okay. got to read Stranger Beside Me and then watch oh, the Bundy. Right. Yeah, watch. Okay. Okay. Hold her to that. 
So, Papal Pardon, Papal Pardon, Papal, the Pope. Pope Say, Pardon. Pope Pardon. Uh, so Great. this one, I was like, okay, so he's he's psycho, but he's still like narcissistic in that sense that he he cares about what people think of him. Yeah. And he's got these so, anger issues or, you know, what's going on there? This is a, uh, I wonder, sociopath or psychopath then? I feel like he's a sociopath. I'd have to re-evaluate, no, re well, I'll yeah. look at the definitions of, of those again, the this, this slight differences. Okay. Pin that. Okay. I will look in it, okay. into it. De Windecourt was so impressed at having a famous artist as official painter to the order that he inducted him as a knight. Major works from his multi-period included Beheading of St. John the Baptist. This is his largest work ever, and it's the only painting which he signed. Yeah, I know. It's interesting, right? Did, was it uncommon for painters back in the 1500s to not sign the work? I would like to have an answer for you, Jenna. Mm-hmm. I am unsure. Writing it down. I think that it was mostly to get this stuff done, is mm-hmm. my opinion. But I do believe that they must have signed it. But like Michelangelo, did he sign the Sistine Chapel? I don't think so. I don't know. Now we have to know. Now we just... Okay. All these things that I should know... Just cut this part. That, cut that question out. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, yeah. <clears throat> it's going to be... By the time we listen to this, we're going to be so mad that we didn't know. Um, I've written it down, folks. <clears throat> um, St. Jerome the Writing. This is another one of his paintings that he painted in Malta and a portrait of Olaf the Windercourt and his pages, uh, the dude who knighted him, as well as portraits of other leading knights. Apparently, the beheading of St. John the Baptist is widely considered as one of the most important works in Western painting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Completed in 1608. The painting had been commissioned by the Knights of Malta as an altarpiece and was the largest altarpiece Car- Caravaggio painted. And it still hangs in St. John's Co Cathedral. The killer's painting. I understand. It is. I, I know this is sort of. This is one of those debatable moments where it's a beautiful piece, but at the same time. Are you going to buy John Wayne Gacy's paintings? Mm-mm, because he actually didn't do them himself. Exactly. <laughs> As we found out, I think, last year. Um, un- I think that's unconfirmed. So sorry. Like, I've been on this train of, like, John Wayne Gacy doesn't do his own work. He gets other people to do it, blah, blah, blah. It's still to this day unconfirmed. But a credible source who worked in the penitentiary that he was in has yeah. come out and said that. Anyways, yeah. but, you know, do is it acceptable to to keep um, a beautiful work of art, even though it's a shitty person who made it? Would, like, and it's hard because so much time has gone by. Yeah. Where if this, if this was somebody who killed somebody five years ago yeah. and their painting was in a church, that would take, be taken down. But it's like the longer the murder is... Yeah. Then the less severe it is, in a sense. So then, like, I think about um, that episode that we did uh, about, and you talked about that gentleman who, he was, like, was he incarcerated for 45 years or something like that? Oh, yes. That gentleman. Yeah, Richard Phillips. People assumed that he had done it, and he was making art. What, where do we draw the line? Like, he's obviously innocent. He was released. He's innocent, though. Like, so... You know, I wonder. But he wasn't selling his artwork. 
Oh, he during the time he during was, the time he was there. Oh. No, 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 he was just sending his artwork to this pen pal okay. girl, and she kept it all. So he wasn't selling it. Okay, he was just doing them. Because there is a story that I really want to do, and this story is about two like about criminals who have had actually se- sold their work, and it, it sold on an in an auction house. And I'm I, uh, I struggle with the. I think it depends what you did. Yeah, I'll I'm I'm gonna eventually do that story. Okay. But moving on. Anyway. Let us know um, your opinions. By late August 1608, he was arrested and imprisoned. This is Caravaggio. Remember mm-hmm. that guy? Yeah. So he was arrested and imprisoned. For what? The result of another brawl. <laughs> <laughs> this time with an aristocrat knight. An aristocratic knight. Shit. Close. Uh, I was so close. Which... Uh, yeah, I should let you guys know again. I can't read, so it's hard. During no, which the, she does it beautifully. <laughs> so beautifully. Uh, yeah, so what he did to this night, he uh, like tore down and battered down a, the, the house's door, and the knight was seriously injured. Dude, man, fucking watch who you're beating up. Like, you shouldn't be beating people up, but a knight... Uh, so that's why Caravaggio was imprisoned by the Knights of the Valletta, but he managed to escape. Huh. I wonder who would have helped him. Because he couldn't have done that alone, right? Not at all. Remember when I told you something? Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. By December, he had been uh, expelled from the order, quote, as a foul and rotten member, which is on his record. So Caravaggio made it made his way to Sicily, where he met his old friend Mario Miniti. Remember that 16-year-old boy? He, yeah. Yes. But now Plump this, lip man. Plump lips. <laughs> uh, but now this guy was married and living in Sicarus. Syracuse. <laughs> Syracuse. Syracuse. I know that's a place in New York, Buffalo, New York area. But I did not know that. But I said the same thing, I feel like, the first time we recorded. I wanted to say Sycorus. Really? But it's Syracuse. I, I read it wrong All the first coming time. Back, all coming, coming back. All coming back to me now. Me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Together, Mario and Caravaggio set off on what amounted to be a triumphant tour of Syracuse, Syracuse. to Messini. So, um, Mario was like, Introduced him to some people. I know that he made... So Caravaggio painted shit, made yeah. lots of money again. He's just famous wherever he goes. So it's Caravaggio... Can do no wrong. No, he can't. Other than his anger. Caravaggio continued to win prestigious and well-paid commissions. Among other works from this period are Burial of St. Lucy, The Rising of Lazarus, and Adoration of the Shepherds. Now, reports depict a man... This is Caravaggio. A man's behavior who was becoming increasingly bizarre which included him sleeping fully armed in his clothes with a dagger by his side, ripping up paintings with the slight word of criticism and mocking local painters. So again, it's kind like, of like back that narcissistic kind of like... I'm better than everybody. I'm better than everybody, and but I'm if gonna... you say something shitty about my work, yeah. that's it. Like, I can't have you talking bad about my yeah. work. Cavaggio displayed wow. bizarre behavior from like early on in his career, and he was described as... Quote, extremely crazy by some. Mario, you don't say. Mario Miniti left Caravaggio, Caravaggio because of his behavior. So the strangers seemed to have, like the strangeness, like his weirdness and everything, seemed to get worse after Malta. 
Several colorful anecdotes have been written of Caravaggio's erratic behavior in Sicily. Apparently, Caravaggio's fear was driving him to from city to city across the island and finally feeling that it was no longer safe to remain where he was because he was being chased by his enemies. Really? But he never said who they were. So he went back to Naples late summer of 1609 after only nine months in Sicily. So he felt like when he went back to Naples, he just felt this place was like safer under the protection of the Colonas, that family there, rich family, Mm -hmm. until he could secure his pardon from the Pope. Now Pope the fifth, and and return to Rome. That's How where many he wants popes to go. do we have now? What's this pope? Do you know what number this pope is? Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why that just popped in my head. Is it Saint Benedict or Pope Benedict, or did he die? And this is a new one, and I don't know it. I think because I think during our generation we went through three. Sure. We had Pope Jean Paul. Yeah. But. Is Pope the fifth? Is it the fifth pope? No. Or That's is it what the, I think. Or is it the fifth pope called Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm a terrible Catholic. So I gave up religion a while ago. Because it's Jean Paul. Really this. Was it, was it Jean Paul like the seventh? I think seven? there was a Jean Paul. I no, know there was a Jean Paul for sure, but what was he? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> there was a couple numbers. I thought it was like Jean Paul II or something, but I guess and not. That, <laughs> uh. Religion is complicated, well, and so I like don't Jean give Paul a shit. The tenth, the twelfth, <laughs> the second. No, it's the seventh. Jean Paul the seventh. I don't know. Oh, I'll course. look that up. One sec. Anyway, so he really wanted his fucking pardon. Okay, his anger would just—I don't know—somehow melt away if he got this fucking pardon. He was like, "That's it. I just want to be fucking pardoned." In October 1609, he was involved in a violent clash. Yay! In an attempt of his life. Some people were out to get him. Remember, he was scared? Weird. I wonder if he was Hmm. right. Maybe orchestrated by someone the night he had wounded in Malta paid off or some sort of ambush by the order. His face was seriously disfigured and rumors circulated in Rome that he was dead, dead, dead. But he painted Salome with the head. Shalom? Shalom? But there's no H. Is Shalom without an H? It's Salome. Not sure. Whatever. It's S-A-L-O-M. I, I know Shalom, I think, is Jewish. Jewish. I know. That's why. I, okay, whatever. Salom with the head <laughs> of John the Baptist, Madrid, showing his own head, his own head on a platter. And then he sent uh, that painting to De Windecourt as a plea for forgiveness. So this was after the fight. At this time, he also painted, painted David with the head of Goliath, showing the young David with a strangely sorrowful expression gazing on a severed head of the giant in his hand, which, again, this head was Caravaggio. Wow. Yes, twice. So he wanted uh, to gift the paintings to Scipion Borghese, <laughs> the nephew Beautiful. of the Pope. Okay? okay. So he, the nephew had power to grant pardons. So he also wanted to send that to there. So he wanted to... Be like, yo, De Windecourt, s- stop sending your people. I'm sorry, please, whatever. And then he also needed to impress the Pope's nephew so he can get a pardon. He essentially wanted to bargain with the Pope people. Yeah. And he's like, yo, I'll be your painter if I get a pardon. I'm sure the Pope is up for negotiation. Because everybody wants a personal painter. Yes. Like, everybody must <laughs> get painted. <laughs> painted. <laughs> <laughs> That was per- uh, that was perfect. So news from Rome, we don't know what, encouraged Caravaggio 
to believe that he was going to get this pardon. So in the summer of 1610, he took a boat northwards to get his pardon, which seemed like, like I was saying, a for sure thing, thanks to his powerful Roman friends. With him, there were three last paintings, and that was gifts to the Cardinal Scipion. 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 Yeah, buddy, let's go get that pardon. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. And then there are a few options to the end of the story. I like to start off with the first option. Okay. On July 28th, an anonymous aviso, which means a private newsletter from Rome to the ducal court of Urbino, reported that Caravaggio was dead. Three days later, another aviso said that he had died of a fever on his way from Naples to Rome. A poet friend of the artist later gave July 18th as the date of, of his death, and a recent researcher claims to have discovered a death notice showing that the artist died on the day of the fever in Porto Ercole in Tuscany. Mm. Now, human remains found in a church in Porto Ercole in 2010 are believed to almost certainly belong to Caravaggio. The findings come after a year-long investigation using DNA carbon dating and other... <laughs> so sorry. Uh, anal- <laughs> I hate using this word. Anal- Analytics? Analyzing? Analysis! Analysis! But it's no, analysis. Because you know what? I think like we spell it with a Z, and in the States, they spell it with an S. So it looks like analyze. It does look like analyze. But no, an- I know. Analysis. You don't have to worry here in the pod <laughs> snakes. snakes. <laughs> um, so they claim that he definitely had a fever, but then other people think he died of syphilis, uh, malaria, or brute. Brucellios from unpasteurized dairy. Oh. Um, now, some scholars argue that Caravaggio was murdered. What? By the same enemies that had been chasing him since he fled Malta, possibly Windecourt and or a section of the Knights, which would make sense that they would say that it was a fever because they don't want, you know, the Knights to be killing people. I don't know. Now, there's another option. I like it. Caravaggio might have died of lead poisoning. Bones with high levels were of uh, high levels of lead were recently found in a grave likely to be Caravaggio's. Paints used at the time contained high amounts of lead salts. And another common symptom of lead poisoning is violent behavior <gasps> and outbursts. Oh, mm. I forgot this part. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. I have another note here. What did I say? Oh, yeah. This is one that I just read today. I did not read this original one. Recent Vatican documents were released in 2002, also indicating fatal wounds that he got as a result of a vendetta uh, perpetrated after Caravaggio had murdered a love rival in a botched attempt at castration. What? This is what I read. Wow. This is on Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. Everything there is true. But again, I just found that today, which when I did the story, oh, I didn't have no. this. So it must have been added. But that's interesting. Um, Caravaggio's innovation inspired Baroque painting, but the Baroque incorporated the drama of, Chia, of his chiaroscuro without the psychological realism. 
They, the style evolved and fashion changed and Caravaggio fell out of favor. So probably because he was fucking murder. People were like, you yeah. know what? This guy's a dick. Let's just fucking stop doing this. No, thank you. But it all came back around. Why? Because it all comes back. It all comes Come back, back around. In the 20th century, interest of his work revived and his importance to the development of Western art was reevaluated. The 20th century art historian André Bernet Geoffroy stated, wow. What begins in the work of Caravaggio is, quite simply, modern painting. It's kind of brilliant. It's brilliant. He but was, he's a murderer. He's a murderer. He was also commemorated on the front of the Banca d'Italia 100,000 lira banknote in the 1980s and 90s before Italy switched to euros uh, with the back showing his basket of fruit. Oh, yeah. I just saw a, 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 just the basket of fruit. Yeah. And that, that was on the banknotes wow. in Italy. They put murderer's painting on the... I could listen to that story over and over again. Can you? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, it's so brilliant. Over and over again. So, popes? Let's go back to popes. Oh, shit, yep. So, uh, this is the 1500s, right? Yeah, 15 and 16, yep. We got uh, Paul. Oh, hey. (laughs) Hello. Your arm just came off. (laughs) Not my human arm. Your podcast. Oh, did the whole thing just come out? Yeah, it's okay. Hold on. No, let's finish this. Pope me up and then we'll do the... Yeah, I thing? almost said I, a different killer's name. I, I, I almost said Magnata. <laughs> Luca, Ma- <gasps> Luca Magnata. There was there was an article the other day uh, that had something to do with him on Reddit, and I fucking forgot to save it because I wanted to show you. There's like pictures of him and Carla Homolka that were oh, yeah. unreleased or something. I can't remember, but uh, I'm going to take a picture of you trying to maneuver <laughs> this because this is funny. Oh my God. Perfect. Um, But popes, let's talk about popes. Let's talk Talk about about popes, baby. baby. Let's talk about Paul the fifth. Yep. Let's talk about P.S. and St. P.S. and Gregory. And how they used to have sex and get married. (laughs) Gregory. There was actually a Pope Innocent and Clement and Leo and Paul and Pope Gregory and Urban and Innocent and Alexander and Clement and Clement and Blessed Innocent and So F- the fifth was not the fifth pope. No. Yeah, not at all. It's John like Paul the second, isn't it? Um, the one that was out of our generation. Our generation. So if we're looking at the 21st century, here's what we got when we were alive. Uh oh wow. St. John Paul II. Yes, that's was my guy, man. The pope from 1978 to 2005. That's a fucking long ass time. No, I know. I knew. That's why I was saying that. I'm so glad because I'm like, I feel like I, my whole memory is gone. But yeah, Pope John Paul II, he was hardcore. Wow. And they used to have those, what do you call them? When you came to like Canada, there was like no. a, parades. Oh, yeah, yeah, but then you could go and like do these, Um, what do you call when you take a trip and it's a, and it's religious based? Um, You know what I mean? Bullshit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think that's what it was. Hashtag bias. Um, I remember Benedict, the the one that was like 2005 to 2013, because I remember yes. in 2013 when they were doing like the testy thing for the Pope and the black smoke the came out yeah. of the thing. Was it black smoke or white smoke? <sighs> one means they did it. One means they didn't. One means the Pope died. One means something else. Yeah. I can't tell. But I remember, see, I remember the name Pope Benedict, but I don't think I know the name of who is a Pope now. Francis. Francis yeah. the first. No. Yeah, uh, and then before that, before those three was John Paul the First, John Paul the 
sixth, St. John, Pius, Pius, P-I-U-S. We have Benedict, we have St. Pius, we have Leah, we have blessed Pius. Oh my God. Like, this is what is interesting to me is that they have like innocent the 22nd, innocent the 12th, blessed innocent the 7th, I think that is, um, and urban. Urban legend. Urban, Pope Urban. I don't understand. I don't. There's a snace for everybody. There's a snace for everyone. And then. Oh, and then there's more. Um. I found this really interesting infograph about psychopaths versus sociopaths. So okay. sociopaths, 1%. Sociopaths? Yes. Uh, sociopaths make up 4% of the general population. And psychopaths make up 1% of the general population. Doubtful. Both suffer from antisocial personality disorder. Both lack empathy. Both demonstrate complete disregard to social rules and behavioral standards. Mm-hmm. Both fail to feel any remorse or guilt. Both are violent what's the difference uh the origin of illness is like uh, this is for so psychopaths the origin of illness is likely to be in his or her innate condition uh, a minnesota study of twins uh, uh showed that psychopath psychopathy is 60 percent hereditary psychopathy? maybe psychopathy yes thank yeah. you um but they, if i read it i would have read it wrong <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay. But that's why you're here and I am here. That's right. You we help each other. Yes. We are good support. Um, you got a friend in me. Psychopath is uh, likely to be educated and have a good career. They have controlling behavior. Highly okay. manipulative. Okay. Completely unable to perform personal attachments. Takes calculated risks. Participates in fraud schemes or and tries to then minimize the evidence. But, he, but they can fake it, though. Totally. Yeah, okay. Totally. So sociopath, uh, the origin of this illness is likely to be in an environment or upbringing. Research shows that there is a significant association between early institutionalization and psychopathic behavior in later life. Sociopath is likely to be uneducated and unable to keep a steady job. Erratic behavior, rage and anger, impulsive, spontaneous, may form an attachment to a particular individual or group. Ooh, this is a great segue into my story. Crimes committed by a sociopath are typically spontaneous, heinous tendency to leave clues and evidence. But you can become a psychopath if you're a sociopath. Yes. Interesting. So I would say, I would peg Carvaggio as a psychopath. Yes. I would. Like, he seems very meticulous in the way he was, like, trying to use his, his abilities as a painter to influence and get his pardon like yeah. that to me is totally manipulation yeah. so that's he, interesting. he's always trying to hide behind all these like rich names and stuff too right mm-hmm. i always tend to forget the differences between the two and it always like me too and i go but there's oh, so many similarities there are there to- there totally are like i think it, it's hard there was a study done on sherlock holmes as a as a character being a sociopath or psychopath and Many people claim he's a he's a psychopath, and I get I understand why. But then when you think and you read about the the um, like disorganization of his house and uh, and the way that he conducts his uh, like I'm now I'm talking just the BBC Sherlock Holmes with Benedict Cumberbatch, who's sexy as fuck. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm, 
I, I, you see sociopathic tendencies with him. So, you know, I guess maybe you can blend the two or separate the two, but there are two distinct differences. And with the story that I'm going to tell you shortly, we're going to talk about two sociopaths. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is a good one. This is like psychopath versus sociopath. Socio. Yeah. All right. I'm just trying to fix my mic. That's okay. Let's do some technical, let's get some technical stuff done. I need to pee and then we'll be right back. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you for being afraid. Say you love me again. Undo this hood that you came. Oh, they caused out the door. You had it right. And you walked out the door. Unquiet these tears. I cried so many nights. Did I ever tell you the story about That's how I so butt good. dialed to this song? Oh, yes. And you sang it to your friend. Yes. Yes. You said yep. it. Yeah, Rick. That's good. Rick. Unbreak my heart. That's so good. You're so Say good. you love me again. I, I do it for jokes, but you do it for legitimacy. Oh, for you legitimacy? should hear my share. You should hear my share. Oh. Hey, I'll so I gotta, I gotta tell you something. Tell me. I'm gonna tell you about two murderers two two i'm gonna blend a little of one with a little of two and then like a blender and mix it like a protein shake yeah well not a maybe like a A yeah definitely no definitely a protein shake because there's human bodies definitely in that shake okay because these guys are disgusting as fuck sons of bitches yeah um, today I'm gonna I'm gonna retell the story of Henry Lee Lucas. That fuck. Right. I did this for our first episode as well. Uh, but I'm also going to add Otis Tool to the mix. What a tool. He totally is. So Henry Lee Lucas was born August 23rd, 1936 in Blackburg, Virginia. His parents were Anderson and Viola, and both of them were quote-unquote working class people um anderson was a there it's undefined what he did but (laughs) he actually lost both of his legs in a railroad incident while at work he was suspected of being drunk and i feel like this is sort of like the start of his assholery (laughs) wait what you're laughing at me because i remember now making a joke and it's not funny what was it about he didn't have a leg to stand yeah It's still so good. Not at all. Because he no. was a dick. Oh, he's a dick. Okay. Right. He was a dick. I just, I forget <laughs> a lot of the story. So that's what I was saying. I totally forgot. And then you said it. And then I remembered. Hey, I Julie. Yeah. It's all coming back. All coming just that back to bit. you now. Oh, wait. Till, there's more. You, you're going to have flashbacks oh, of our like very first memories. episode. It's going to be beautiful. And you're going to like smile and be like, ah. This is episode. Oh, I don't know what this episode is because I don't know what's going to air. But. I'm all, I already forget some of the murders that I've done. I was looking through oh, when yeah. I was printing my Caravaggio murder. Mm-hmm. I was looking through my files and I'm like, who's that guy? <laughs> and it was one guy that I did. Yeah. It was horrible. Anyway, and you okay. don't remember? Uh, I had to click on it and I actually, no, I had forgot that I did it. You know what? I, like, that was a good story. <laughs> it's like once it's over with, you kind of like put it in the back of your mind. Like if it has to come up again, you'll deal with it then. Yeah. Well, because then... You know, you tell me murders, yeah. and then I listen to podcasts about murders, and then I watch murder sh- TV shows. And sometimes I'm thinking, I'll like listen to half of a podcast, mm-hmm. and then I watch murder shows, 
And then I'll go back to start listening to the podcast, and I'm thinking about the murder show. I'm like, yeah, but wait, didn't she do this? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait, that's two different fucking stories. Oh, yeah. We absorb so much true crime stuff that it totally gets blurred often. So if we ever have to do a tour, which we totally will, because we're going to be super rich and famous, like I said last, <laughs> like, months ago, or weeks ago, or I always say... If you ever ask us about a murder, we will never remember. We're just going to smile and go, uh-huh, yeah, and pretend like we do. They'll be like, listen, this is not the time or snakes to speak about it. <laughs> did we just start the snakes one for this episode? Yeah, yeah. we right. did. So next episode, when we talk about snakes, and this episode hasn't been released yet? Yeah. Okay. And we're going to have to, we'll figure it out. All right. <laughs> okay. They don't even know why we're saying it anyway. No, not at all. Inside joke. See, that's what ambient toast turned into. Ambient toast was originally an inside joke, and then it just turned into like the most magical, beautiful ending ever to everything. But it happened on the recording. It did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This happened without me recording. Yeah, this happened without me recording. My fault. Damn it. If you only heard. Anyway, tell me about the legless man. Legless man. Uh, So he had originally been exposed. Uh, suspected of drinking while this incident happened. Basically, a train rolled over his legs and chopped him off. Okay? I would hope that he was drinking. Oh, remember remember the um, remember the hometown, remember the holiday hometowns? When I was talking about my hometown? Yeah. And that one boy that I went to school with who, in the rain? Uh, You don't need to be drunk. You just need to be stupid. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) You can't cure stupid. But because he broke he broke his leg, he lost both of his legs and didn't have a leg to stand on. Oh, waka waka. <laughs> he decided to make moonshine illegally. Oh, yes. At, just to make ends meet. No, that's what you do. Right? When you, yeah. And it was like. It's a natural transition. Totally. You know, I mean, if I lose my job, I'm just going to sell weed or just smoke a lot it of it. Now? Yeah. No, it's not worth it. Not anymore. Not anymore. Um It's legal here. But I think that behavior the, his behavior towards his children and and Henry specifically yeah. stemmed from all this. Yeah. Now, Anderson actually had introduced Henry to drinking very early on in his life when you have access oh, to it yeah. and you have a hold to fill. That's a good idea. Which I know very well uh, all about. Um you just turn to your, the quickest vice and you're making it too. So you have complete access to it. If I, if I was making booze, I would totally be drinking all the time. Yeah. And then we would never get anything done. Anything. Yeah. It's good that I'm, so, I'm, I need you <laughs> that I'm responsible with my drinking. You hold, <laughs> That's true. you hold my life in your hands. Uh, do I? Ooh, that's a big responsibility. You got my whole world in your hands. You got my whole wide world in your hands. Wow. With great power. <laughs> I can't stop. I don't know. I'm tired with something. It, we're going to okay. get through this. Okay, let's do it. You, Julie, yeah. shut up. Go. Okay. So, uh, Viola, yes. Henry's mother, was about 50 years old when she had Henry. Like, that's a, that's old, right? Like Especially back in the day. Exactly. So, Holy at this point, shit. she should have, like... 27 she should have been closed up for business yeah. <laughs> i mean i hate that sounds rude but honestly that's what the times were back then no vacancy but 50 um and she was a sex worker and uh, yeah so also an alcoholic and extremely controlling well yeah so she had actually nine kids and henry was the youngest and he took the brunt of most of the shit that they dished out what 
Okay, What's up? Henry was the youngest, but she didn't have Henry when she was 50. No, she did have Henry when she was 50. And he was the youngest? He was the youngest. So she had kids up until her 60s? Uh-huh. Well, up until she was 50. So 50 was the last... She was 50 when she had Henry. That was the last one. Oh, okay. Um, I'd rather... Let's just pretend that didn't happen. Oh, did you think? Oh, okay, okay, sorry. I know. No, I saw what no, happened. Don't say sorry. It was me, obviously. No. I'm thinking, like, no, he was the last one. So he's. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about? Oh, I, I love you so much. It's so sad that in my head that made total no, sense. No, it's okay. That he was the oldest because. I do that often. Oh, so, it's not, not specific. Never mind. Okay. Oh, just go. <sighs> just, I'm hopeless. No. Okay. You're beautiful and lovely inside. You're a sparkling unicorn of wonderfulness. <laughs> Shine bright like a diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> a vision of ecstasy. You and I, you and I, diamonds in the sky. What? What just happened there? That was amazing. That was <laughs> my creepy voice? No, no, no. But the fact that you knew all of that, Rihanna, I know under, uh, Disturbia. Disturbia is my favorite favorite okay here we go. go viola viola was the most abusive towards henry um even she even like got the other siblings to turn on henry and pick on him and they did it on their own as well because he was the fu- he was the youngest yeah they're dealing with all this shit trickling down as as more babies came like the one yeah. probably took the brunt and then they passed it on down. It is it is a sign with bullying. Like bullies, they project project that negativity onto others because they're getting it from another source and those people are getting it from another source. Yeah. It's like, hey, people, let's take a moment here. If you're dealing with shit in your life, don't take it out on others. Recognize that you are taking it on others if you are and vocalize. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to take my anger out on you, but I'm dealing with stuff elsewhere. Yes. Let's have a moment of mental health reflection. Yes. Okay. The the neglect went as far as Viola forcing Henry to watch her no, while no, she no, no, worked. No, 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 you can't. No, you can't. No, Abs- take it back. Take oh, it back. I know. I don't want it. I wish. Uh-huh. But she had like a regular client of hers named uncle bernie who just who was there constantly she he was her version of a mistress her side hustle her like you know the third the third wheel to the that love triangle um and i don't know for a fact but he could also be the father of a couple of the other kids right so if he's a regular client because henry had a couple half siblings we have no fucking clue who i mean (laughs) there's no protection back there back then so if she was a sex worker her whole life she could have and i don't i hate to assume but she's a piece of shit so i don't give a shit (laughs) okay so um so even more to the extent of this neglect and treatment she would dress henry up as a little girl even curling his hair and send him off to school and he would get made fun of because of it you know why and he openly talked about this when he was he was caught about the how specifically this event too shaped his sexuality and an anger towards women yeah um so we know the recipe for a serial killer is head trauma mm-hmm. is a crappy upbringing and sexual abuse which he total he had all three of those and then some viola took a 
two by four to Henry's head when he was only eight years old. He was hospitalized for three days in a coma. On top of that, his older brother, Andrew, uh, was fighting with him one day and her, so, okay, accounts vary. Either he stabbed him or punched him so hard that he got an eye, in, like his eye got like fucked up. They decided not to treat it. They didn't give a shit about this eye infection that he got. And they let it go so long that after weeks, he finally had to go to the hospital. And it was so bad that he just had it removed in an, an eye Glass, glass was replaced. Eye. He re- it was replaced with a glass he eye. He only had one eye. Yeah. And you can see, like, in some of his pictures, he's got one droopy eye. Um, and even as a younger gentleman in his 30, 30s, same thing. Like, even though he smiles, kind of like this. Oh, she's acting it out. Oh, no. No. Like, that's so creepy. Like, his one eye is, yeah. It, uh. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, nicknamed later on the one-eyed drifter. He has oh. so many different names, but that's one so henry's 10 years old and at this point he's a fucking alcoholic already at 10 years yeah, old because pops yes so it's an in around this time where uncle bernie and his half brother decide to introduce him to bestiality and animal torture no yeah this Leave the level the of, sh- of piece it. of shitness is high here oh yeah bestiality and and animal torture like this is kind of the only time in his life where he does animal torture, but the bestiality and then torturing two humans escalates very quickly. So here's a quote from him. He said, I hated all my life. I hated everybody. When I first grew up and can remember, I was dressed as a girl by my mother and I stayed that way for two or three years. And after that, I was treated like what I call the dog of the family. I was beaten. I was made to do things that no human being should want to do. Mm. Like, I, I sympathize to a certain extent. I do. Well, he's a child. Mm-hmm. And no child should go through any of this. Ever. And this is like, you know, like you're saying. <laughs> Sneeze. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <sighs> Loved it. Okay. okay. Um, like a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Because of the way he was raised, which is like. You can get made into it. Sorry, thank you. You can get made into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget where I was going with this. Whatever. Like, I feel bad. Obviously, it's a horrible thing. And if all this stuff didn't happen to him, yeah. later on in life, he probably would have been different. Right? Like, I do. Like, a child of trauma from from their own folks, you you lose trust. You lash out at other people because they lash out. They take their anger out on you. You're obviously needing to put that, that anger towards them to somebody else. Yeah. So, it, it's kind of a, I look at it, and I do see children who have that kind of situation at, at in home. When I, and I look out and I go, in five to ten years, yes. something something more drastic is going to happen and it's not going to be good. You know, we work with kids and we, we see only, you know, very small cases of it, but it, it makes you worry. Um, even it, today in the, in 2019, there are still some cases of parent neglect and the backlash, or I guess the, not the backlash, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the repercussions of that are going to be not at the expense of the parents but the child like the child is going to act out because of it and 
it's going to have really bad consequences. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously extreme cases. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's different things, right? In the end, we would say you have choices because there are still people who have had horrible childhoods. That's true. And they don't grow up to be killers or serial killers, right? Well, they turn it around. Yeah, they do. But mm-hmm. I mean, every case is individual. Either way, you can't go around killing people. Don't. Don't do it. It's don't. Not cool, man. Mm-mm. Don't. Not at all. No. Even though you might get talked about on a podcast, don't fucking do it. No. I, I will talk about you on a podcast if you do something good. Yeah. Do let's good. talk about good things. Donate. Yep. Be great. Create. Be great. Be great. Oh, I like that. Donate. Create. Be great. I love that. Okay. Let's write that down. Okay. So, Go. Yes, he sauce. ran away at 14 years old in 1949. Um, and in that same year, his father died from hypothermia. He passed out drunk during a blizzard and <laughs> froze. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it would be like a passing out tonight during this blizzard. But records state that this actually didn't happen. So oh. there, it's not... I should say records state that they don't know if he was intoxicated while he passed out. So he just died of hypothermia. He was found in a snowbank, but they don't know if it was because he was drunk and passed out. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead and say he was. Uh, me too. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. So, the same year, 1949, he claims that this is the first time he ever murdered. There was a young girl at a bus stop that he was really infatuated with, and he tried to coerce her into something uh, and she totally rejected him then he decided you know what the best idea to do is let me just abduct her and then beat her fucking sh- senseless until she passes how out how old was he 14 fuck a duck uh-huh not don't really fuck a duck. don't fuck a duck shit just yeah it's not funny though so he abducted her and beat her until she was unconscious and then raped her and then strangled her to death but no evidence of this body of this 14 year old like this girl was found so he claims it and he stands by it but that's about all we know he gave a location to where her body was but nothing uh, was found at that time but interesting this is 1949 he was actually convicted he was caught in 1983 so so much time has passed right but you should still be able to find some DNA. So maybe eventually this case will get reopened and more investigation and stuff will happen. And we'll find out. Okay. So the year is 1951. Henry and his, his uh, half brother are arrested for burglary. He was sent to a juvenile delinquent, a juvenile delinquent school in Beaumont, but, and doctors note, his sexual deviance and he even had sex with some of the inpatients there um male inpatients like he just really he he was sex driven uh then he got out in 1954 he was convicted on a dozen counts of burglary and then sentenced to six years so not a lot is is known six years in prison yeah okay yeah uh but he escaped and then was caught But only did one year and then was let out. Some note that the four walls, the roof and three meals a day was paradise for him because he was living in basically like a log cabin, like a tiny, tiny log cabin that had two bedrooms, one bath, like a porter potty outside. And that's it. It's like my dream. (laughs) Well, no electricity. Nothing with nine kids and two parents. Oh, uh-huh. I thought you meant like that's where he was living alone. No. Oh no, that's horrible. Yeah. So with with <clears throat> all of those people living under one like tiny log home, it's a oh, lot. Yeah. No. So so this like prison was basically 
heaven to him. Yeah. He had electricity. He had three meals. He had running water. Um, Eating. Mm-hmm. And one, one such ins- in, uh, inspector noted this could be the reason why Henry actually liked to confess so much later when he was caught because it just it made sure that he had livable a livable situation that was better than what he was brought up in. So it's 1959. Uh, he moves to Tecumseh with his, to live with his sister, Opal. Opal. Uh, Opal. There was no issues during this time. He was totally fine. So he killed the chick and then that was it. That one, was it. One hit wonder. Basically. Okay. Uh, there was no burglaries. There was no arson. He was just living a normal life as a normal person until his fucking mother showed up. And his mom showed up because he had actually met a girl and fell in love with her and decided to propose to her and she accepted his engagement proposal. And, but here's the deal. Mother Dearest (coughs) did not approve of this lady he fell in love with because it wasn't her. For some reason, she got it in her head that Henry was born for just her to take care of her. And that's why she came back. She said, like, I don't approve of this fiance that you've decided to take. And you just need to come back with me to Virginia and take care of me because I'm old. Yeah, because I was thinking she'd be, she was 50 when she was Really had. old. She's really, really, I don't know exactly how old she was, but you don't have kids to take care of you when you're old and wrinkly. Just remember that. That's, kids. Why, that's why I'm having kids. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Don't do that. Oh. Have them because they're going to, gr- <laughs> you're going to create beautiful, awesome humans, which you are. Beautiful. I mean, awesome you're taking humans. care of two beautiful, awesome humans right now with Dexter. Ask They're so sweet. Take care of me. I'll take care of you. Yeah. That's why I'm not having kids. Okay. So I can ta- help take care of my you're friends. You're younger than me, so that's nice. Not by much. Anyways, but you're more beautiful than me, so it's fine. What? You are. You're gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> man. Not even one time just to say. Oh please. No. Keep you telling me. We'll agree to though. disagree. No. I'm speaking I'm on your behalf. Just dec- disagree. No, don't. Don't disagree. I am. Never. We're fighting. Oh, it's the worst fight ever. Okay. <laughs> so Viola showed up, disapproved of the fiance, and wanted him to return to Virginia to take care of her. And he was like, no fucking way. That's happening. So January 12th, 1960. Henry comes home drunk uh, and just goes straight to bed. There was no interaction with anybody. He just goes, boom, right to bed. And I guess his mom was like pissed off about that because she came into his room and was like, Henry, I need you to get up. You need to make me some tea, okay? You need to take care of me. And he was like, oh, bitch, don't you fucking dare wake me from this slumber. And he decides to get into a scuffle. They got got into a bit of an argument. With there was a little, little pushing and shoving. Mommy. Yes. A little pushing and shoving. Uh, and then he stabs her in the neck with a fork. Well, <laughs> it seems like it was going to escalate there, too. He claims, though, that it was self-defense because she was hitting him with a broomstick. So... You mean the frail, like, 80-year-old is hitting him with a broomstick? I mean, she did make him watch while she had sex with other men. So Uncle Bernie. Right? I mean... That was not the weekend of beer and Bernie's (laughs) that he wanted. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the point. Not the plan. Not at all. But I I think she's capable of doing that. So bed knob and broom six. <laughs> yes. And then fork in the night. For, the fork in the neck. And then fatal heart attack, which killed her. Oh. So he, yeah, again, he claims 
self-defense, but he was convicted on second-degree murder and sentenced to 20 to 40 years in prison. But in June 1970, it was overcrowded. So he only served a 10-year sentence. But then he got out and tried to kidnap three girls, which was unsuccessful, and he was back into prison. <laughs> yep. This is what, and, and this is a, good at it. No, not at all. Because this is, here's his quote. When they put me out on parole, I said, I'm not ready to go. I told them all. The warden, the psychologist, everyone. I was going to kill. So, like, he's even fucking telling these people, yeah. don't let me out. I will kill again. And I'll come back and tell you I told you so. So, 1975, he's out of prison. He worked at a mushroom farm in Pennsylvania. And during this time, he meets this lovely lady named Betty Crawford. She already had two daughters from a previous marriage, and she was a widow. So when the mom came and said, no, I don't approve of your fiance, he abide. What is it? Like, he agreed to that? Is no, that okay? no. He was like, uh-uh. <clears throat> no, he stayed. But then he never I, married her. No, they broke the engagement <clears throat> off, I'm assuming. There is no. Oh, maybe because he killed his mom. Yeah. I guess that would happen. And he had to go to prison for it. So she's right. just like, I'm so sorry. I do not wish to marry you now that you are in prison. Please, um, I redact me, this. But, uh, mm-hmm. my vagina needs tending and you're not there to tend it. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want a convicted murderer in my vagina hole. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he meets Betty Boop. He meets her? Betty Boop. Her name's Betty Crawford, and she's an awesome lady. Betty Crocker. Betty Crawford. <laughs> Craw Crawford. Betty Crocker is not a real person. It's not. She's not. No. Is it just a brand name of a baking? It's just a brand name. Of a My baker. entire life is a false. Is a fake. Is face. Is face. Is face. My face off. <laughs> that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now you know. Okay, so, um, yeah, so Betty Crawford had two daughters, but and she's a widow, but she leaves him um, because she accused Henry of molesting her two daughters. So, like a badass, she yeah. was like, fuck no, I'm yes, getting Yes, good. Out. Now, do you think he did? Yes. I agree, too. I do. Yeah. Why would she accuse him? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you don't just do that for free. Especially back then, women tended to keep things keep to things themselves. Keep just be like, okay... Just go with the flow with things. Like the Mendend... Mendendez... Mend... Oh my... Now you can't say it I screwed you up. Shit. Mendez brothers. Oh my God. That's a good case. Mendendez. Fucking good case. Good case. Yep. Especially with the trial and how... How the... Like the media just ate it all up. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We should talk about that one too. So... Murder. um, So he gets out in 1975... And he starts beginning, he, he starts drifting. And this is kind of the first time he starts on his murder spree on his own. Right. But a lot of it is unconfirmed. So I want to pause there. And I want to talk to you about my other person that has to do with a story. Otis Tuile. So the born, Tuile. Tuile. Born March 5th, 1947 in Jacksonville, Florida. He was brought up in an abusive household. His father was extremely abusive and alcoholic and decided to ban the, f- the family when he was really young. His mother, though, was a religious fanatic and also abusive. He, she used to dress Otis as a girl and call him Becky. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she even had like a total, totally different persona for him as well. So full thing, same as Henry, dress, curls, grew the hair out long, but then named him Becky. Becky. Yeah. He was sexually abused as a young, as young as five. Uh, a friend of his father paid him, the father, to let him rape his son. Yep. 
it's disgusting fuck is happening yeah he was sexually assaulted as a child starting from the age of five including his like an incestual relationship with his older sister and many other relatives it stated it, so I got this stuff from Wikipedia, Murderpedia, uh, Criminal Mind, Wiki, a whole bunch of different resources. I, I doubled up on my research this time just to, Gross. you know, yeah, it's disgusting. Um, his grandmother uh, was a satanist, uh, satanist, and taught was taught like self mutilation, and also taught him self mutilation and grave robbing, and she dubbed him the devil's child. Like she was a Satanist mm-hmm. and his mom was super religious. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So at around 10 years old, that's when he started to realize he was a homosexual. He was gay. Okay. At 10. And I think that's a... That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so at around this time, he decided, I'm going to come out to my family and he got the shit beaten, beaten out of him for Yet it. men were raping him. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like... So you can't say it. You can just do it. Yeah. Other people can do it to you. And if you feel like you are gay, it's wrong. But everyone else around you abusing who's, you. Who's a pedophile. Oh, fuck yes. But that's okay. Okay. Give me a fucking yeah. break. Um, they say that his IQ was about 75 and he suffered from epilepsy, like grand mal seizures. Mm-hmm. He was a serial arsonist and sexually aroused by fire. Mm. In ninth grade, he decided to drop out because he he couldn't keep up, and he I, I ain't no I ain't got no smarts in that pair, basically. Oh. And so he decided, you know what? I'm going to quit school. I can make money being a male sex worker, and so he did. He he went around, and he he was very like successful. All he knew, really. Pardon? It's like all he knew. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. At five years old, your yeah. own father took money for a friend of his yeah. to let him have. I, I just yeah, five years really old. Upsetting. That fucking disgusting pieces of shit. Okay, so one other thing to note: he was really obsessed with gay porn. Uh, I mean, well, whatever. Porn is porn. Yeah, and he's a teenager. Yeah, and he's gay. Mm-hmm. So his first murder, just like oh. Henry, was at 14 years old. Whoa. He had been coerced by a traveling salesman to have sex with him. And instead of actually going with the man, o- Otis decided, I'm just going to run over you with my car. So he ran over him with his car and killed him. He was arrested. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> not for this murder. What? Not at all. <laughs> he was just arrested in, in August 1964 at 17 for loitering. <laughs> Oh, so he never was caught for that murder nope, then? Nope, nope, nope. He just stated, wow. like, the guy the guy was very aggressive and tried to, uh, I, I guess, like, kidnap him oh, and okay. abduct him. So he just ran over him with the scar. Oh. So very little info is known about his timeline between 1966 and 1973. Uh, apparently, we can assume that he started drifting. He, was pan- he panhandled and did sex work for money. Yeah. Okay. So... It's now, and <clears throat> it's uh, a couple things to note about this timeline. In Nebraska, he was actually the prime suspect for a twenty-four year for twenty-four year old Patricia Webb's murder. Okay. okay, no, but he was never convicted of it. Okay, and then he moved to Boulder, Colorado, where he was another prime suspect. Um, after about a month being there for thirty-one year old Ellen Holman. 
So she died October 14th. <clears throat> so then he left after this period, he left Jacksonville in 1975. So Jacksonville is, is probably the staple for both of these men. They This is where they primarily did most most of their shit. In on January 14th, 1976, he married a at he was 32 years old, a woman who was 75. Hang on, this is the gay This is Otis. Um, Otis, that's Otis. his name. Yes. But he was gay. Mhm. Yep. But he wanted to marry her because he needed to keep up appearances of, right. that he was heterosexual, heterosexual. And a 75-year-old? 75. All but right. She found out he was gay and she decided to leave him. So he decided he drifted between for for a year until 1976 when he was in a in a soup kitchen in Jacksonville and met our buddy Henry Henry Lucas. Yes. Uh, They actually had started a sexual relationship right away and found that they had so much in common, as we can see. Well, yeah. Yeah. They literally had the same upbringing well, maybe not literally but pretty close they mm-hmm. had the same upbringing totally and so um they started living together like henry moved in with otis like right away with his family uh, mm-hmm. and they bonded over necrophilia deranged weird sex and bestiality yeah 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 uh, but henry wasn't he just took was henry gay no, account he, he was just a lover he he Yes, I would say that um, even though he didn't come out and say it right right out, he was okay because the two of these the, these bo- these men had a, had a sexual relationship with one another. But and he also liked women, or you just I, yes, I believe he was bisexual. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I'll tell you why later on. Like I mean, with um, with the uh, uh, the lady that he was briefly engaged to who had the two daughters um, with the 14 year old girl. He uh, apparently killed most of his victims were women. I think that he did have a sexual desire for women yeah. to a certain point, right. but found men to be his hit. Like he could have full sexual encounters with men more easily. Okay. Okay. So here, it, this is the sort of next steps as to what happened to these guys. So in Delaware, Otis was hospitalized. And Henry is living with his whole family. And while Otis was hospitalized, Henry decided to take uh, Otis's uh, niece off to some, um, pub- some publication's state daughter. But it's un- like unconfirmed exactly. Uh, so Henry took either Otis's daughter or a um, I feel niece. like it's a niece because didn't he move in with the family? That's yeah. what I think yeah. too. Um, to Maryland, but he was arrested shortly after and only was in jail for, for two months. So he then returned to Jacksonville and Otis recovered. Otis gets out of the hospital. Henry and him now go on like a, a road trip of sorts, right. a murder spree road trip. And what, uh, here are some of the, I guess, unfortunate victims. One of them was a shop clerk uh, at a convenience store and Otis molested the corpse <gasps> afterwards. Mm-hmm. On a Texas interstate while they were driving, uh, a couple was walking uh, northward and they, the Henry and Otis pulled over behind them. Otis decided to get, he got out of the car, went up to the boy and shot 
it was a boy and a girl walking shot the boy nine times like a couple times in the head and then heart and the stomach then henry nabbed the girl rapes her in the car while otis decides to get back in and then start driving but she was getting like really really annoying to otis and otis stopped the car and ordered henry to just shove her out of the car but then henry decides to shoot her and shoot her after he throws her body out of the car and he shoots her six times henry later later on said confesses to 600 murders and the way that he described it as quote unquote free lunch 600 600 murders yeah none not all confirmed he just confesses to them not all of them are actually like found to be real real right or backed up but yeah he he quote unquote calls them free lunch what a piece of shit that's so gross okay so as these two boys are journeying on a strange man offers them a contract killing job it happens to be a man a part of a satanic cult called the hand of death now i've mentioned this in the very very first episode i'll mention it again Last podcast on the left does an excellent episode. They actually do a three-part series on Henry Lee Lucas, but the last part, the third part, is about the hand of death itself. Now, police didn't confirm uh, Henry and Otis's um, involvement in this satanic cult. Like, I'm sure that they were a part of it, but no real documentation is left behind stating that they were like actually part of this cult. Yeah. Yeah. But in order to to join the satanic cult, who was sort of led by a a gentleman named Don Metric, they had to go to Miami and they had to find a man and kill him. Any man. Any man. But Henry was really jealous because Don, this this satanic leader guy, knew of Otis somehow, some way. Now, I'm, I'm wondering if this all relates back to the grandmother being a Satanist. Oh, right. So, so I'm wondering if, so, like, it's weird because it, this is totally different states, but I guess cults are all over the place, right? Like, yeah. they're spread wide. So maybe through the grapevine, somehow, some way they found, I don't know. Who knows? Through, through the, the grapevine. And this was in the 70s, right? This is. We're, so the we are height known. of like, satanic cults was yes. like, super scary. You got and Jim like, Jones. Okay. You have um, uh, Bakwan. Who's Bakwan? You've got to watch Wild Wild Country. Oh, it's Wild Wild West. Wild Wild, Wild Wild West. Yeah. I love that movie. Okay. <laughs> So uh, the it, you have to pledge to get into this. It's like a frat, right? So yeah. they have to kill a man, and they do. They claim that they lured the man to a beach, and Henry ripped out his throat. And then Otis cooked him and ate him. What? In a black mask ritual. But there's no real proof, okay? So while they were a part of this cult... The two of them claim on separate occasions that their jobs were to kidnap children and enslave them as sex slaves, like even teenagers too. And that was their main, their main thing. Yeah. Mission. Mission. Yeah. So let's talk about Otis's niece. So I said that Henry had taken responsibility of her when Otis was hospitalized. Yes. Now her name was Frida, but she started going by the name of Becky Powell and became super infatuated with Henry Lee Lucas. Like, 
Oh. Loved him. And she's 10 years no, old. No, I was just going to ask how old she was. No, 10 years old. Oh, no, make her 18. I Still young, but... I wish I could, okay. but nope. So Henry took her in as a caregiver. He initially only wanted to be her caregiver and a father figure, but because she fell in love with him and tried and made sexual advances, he kind of was like, all right, I'm game for this. Why is she making sexual advances at 10 years old? Probably because Otis prostituted her. Yeah. I have this feeling that there was sexual There's, abuse. There had to be. At 10, you're not hitting on a freaking... However old he would be now, what, 40? Oh, yeah. He's in his 40s at this like, point. You're not, you can't. He was not, 43 at the time. You're not hitting on people at 10. I know. No. It's gross. So they, the two of them uh, moved, like all of them moved to California. Oh, no, sorry. Um, they actually left Otis behind at this point. And mo- the two of them, uh, Becky, the newly named Becky Powell, uh, moved to California with Henry and then to Texas in 1982. Otis was pissed. And during this time of the separation, now the two of them would not get back together. Otis this, and Henry? Yeah. This was the last time that they would see each other until they were incarcerated. But Otis went on a fucking long ass killing spree, killing hundreds of people. And even like, especially with arson, like, he loved, uh, he was a fire starter. Fire starter. Uh, okay. So. Somewhere around 1981, Otis's mom and sister died. He had another sister. And Becky and her brother, Frank, were placed in juvenile homes. So this is kind of a side note. Uh, I have in my notes plus signs about it as a side note. Side note, somewhere around 1981, Otis's mom and sister died. And Becky and her brother, Frank, were placed in juvenile homes. But Henry broke them out. Um, Yeah, because... My previous point was they moved to California and then to Texas in 1982. So a year prior to that, um, Otis's mom had passed away. Okay, and that's when he... And Henry broke them out. And I think maybe that could have been another reason why she became infatuated with him because he was a savior for her. Did Henry also took the brother too? No. The brother actually was a witness to some of these, like just a tiny bit of the horrific shit these two boys did. And because of that, he was institutionalized in 1983 and went fucking batshit crazy because Uh of it. Like, your destruction sweeps through and affects other people. Yeah. You should know. But, you know, that's a sociopath for you. A sociopath and a psychopath for you. They don't give a shit. No. They only care about themselves and only themselves. They'll pretend like they they care about you. But in reality, only them. In and around this time, again, they meet up with a gentleman named Jack Smart. Jack Smart offers them a... It's because they're drifting. He offers them a job. Pardon? Smart food? (laughs) No, I was going to make a joke about how Jack Smart isn't so smart. Jack Smart offered who jobs? Henry and Becky. Becky, okay. Because they had abandoned Otis. Yeah. Because... Otis went on a killing spree because he was angry about them yeah. leaving him alone and by himself. But who knows? Like, who knows? It's not... Th- there's no... It's all very sig- gross. It's yeah. just... It's hearsay from yeah. these two. So Jack Smart meets these two gentlemen, or this gentleman. Jack or something. Yeah. Uh, they claim that they, they try to pass themselves off as husband and wife. I guess it works because no one questioned it. And he offers them a job. So they take a job with him for about four months 
they stay in his residence and refurbish uh, furniture and take care of the property for Jack. And then he goes, you know what? My elderly mother could really use some caregiving. Would you guys be interested in staying at her estate and helping her? And they're like, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, f- free free rent. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> they, he, they spent four months with Jack Smart. After a week, four days, four days. Uh, they kicked the two of those shitheads out because they didn't take care of her. They cashed two $50 checks. They left her on her own, didn't give a shit about her, didn't pay attention to her, and Jack Smart and his wife kicked them out of Kate Rich's home. Okay. So this lovely little 80-year-old lady who needs care to, to have some sort of companionship. She's vulnerable and lovely. Her name's Kate Rich. That's the cutest name ever. So cute. They take advantage of her. Well, yeah, he killed his mom when she was like that old. Right? Yeah. But luckily, Jack Smart kicks the two of them good. out. But is it good? I don't know. Bum, bum, bum. Becky's homesick at this point. She's not really liking the whole drifter situation. She's not liking the violence that she's been dealing with in the outbursts. She wants to go back to Michigan, and this angered Henry, and he did not take it well. They got into an argument on August 23rd, and uh, according to reports, Becky had slapped Henry, and that sent him over the edge. He decided to kill her and dismember her body. Well, Mm -hmm. you know. He claimed that he had dumped her in some sort of, like, ravine, but later on, some a bone fragment of hers was found in Kate Rich's wood burn wood burning oven. Whoa! So he went back. Yep. To burn her body there. Mm-hmm. So here is what happened. After Henry killed Becky, he returned to Kate Rich's home, and convinces her on September sixteenth to go out and look for Becky. And during that time, he just fuck it. He bludgeons her to death and stuffs her in a drain pipe. Other reports say that Kate's bones might have been found on the resort of the Hand of Death in a in some sort of incinerator. He likes fire. He likes to put people's bodies right. in. But it's that's totally unconfirmed. Okay. Okay. I'm going to wrap uh, this up. This is going to be really short and sweet. I really like to talk about more <laughs> of like the history. Of, I really don't care. Yeah, they got arrested. Both, both these shitheads got arrested. But this is the... the the gist of it, because with Becky's death and Kate's death, that's what got Henry convicted. Yeah. Otis, on the other hand, so it's 1983. We're, we're, we're moving ahead. 1983. Henry was caught on an unlawful possession of a firearms charge. Yeah. And that's what got him arrested. And, dur- and when he got into jail, he just let let he was considered the confession killer because he was just like, oh, you caught me on our on firearms guess i I killed 600 people tell you this yes uh so he was convicted on charges of kate rich's death and becky powell or frida's death okay okay so january 4th 1982 64 year old uh george sonnenberg uh was living with otis at the time they were living in some sort of um like residential halfway house okay i would say and Otis decides to barricade this gentleman, the 64-year-old man, into the house and fucking burns it down. But George gets out, but he dies a week later from his injuries. <laughs> doesn't, get, doesn't get caught. 
But on in April 1983, on an unrelated arson charge or incident, he gets sentenced to 20 years in prison. What? Did and finally, on that one? Uh, uh, no, no, no deaths. <laughs> but the, this is the thing. They kill people. Nothing happens. They, they don't kill people. They don't kill people. Something shit happens. happens. Wow. So, uh, so April, uh, April 1983, that's when Otis gets convicted of arson, put in jail for 20 years. Two months later, Henry then gets con- convicted on an on, uh, unlawful f- uh, possession of firearms. Now, do you know of the story of Adam Walsh? No. Do you know the TV show, uh, was it FBI, America's Most Wanted with John Walsh? Yes. So his son, Adam Walsh, went missing in 1981. Yes, and that's why he started with the FBI show. Yes. The most to try and find his son. And the only thing that ever turned up was the, the severed head of Adam Walsh. Well, when Otis and Henry were convicted and sentenced to prison, Otis decided to just let loose and claim that he actually was the one who kidnapped Adam and killed him and severed his head. Not knowing that the other had confessed to it, Henry backed up Otis's claims about Adam Walsh. And over the over the years, police and investigators could not figure out this case and it was left unopen it was left open. Yeah. And finally, I think it was in like the early two thousands, the case was finally closed and Florida police declared that Otis Tool was the one who actually killed wow. Adam Walsh in nineteen eighty one. Now during their time incarcerated, they both were artists, quote unquote artists. It's were they incarcerated in the same jail? No, I, I, no, I don't okay. know. I'm going to say, I don't know. Okay. I will, um, let me make note and I will find out for you. Uh, Jenna. Sorry. But, uh, oh, wait, wait till you see their artwork. It's fucked up. Especially Otis's. Like, it's just, it's disgusting. I didn't see Otis's artwork. No, I've you seen didn't. some of Henry. Mm-hmm. And it's like devils and, <clears throat> and really fucked up shit. But, you know, we go back to this debate of, you know, art is supposed to be a happy place for mental health. But where do we draw the line when it comes to convicted serial killers? We're, we're, like, yeah, sure, they should have freedom of expression or no, they shouldn't have. No, I think, I mean, you're saying art is a happy place for mental health. I yeah. think art is a place to express yourself. Yeah. Because a happy place if you're going through something horrible and you're using art it doesn't necessarily mean that that art's going to be happy mm-hmm. right so there's that but it's a definitely a way to express yourself or a therapeutic way of whatever now should prisoners or convicted murderers or whatever paint or be able to paint or draw mm-hmm. that i don't have a problem with yeah the problem with no i mean well okay i'm sorry no as a killer something like that you should be strapped down to a bed and not <laughs> able to do anything yeah. ever but what and, if they paint their confessions these are my, my confessions. <laughs> Painting my confessions. Um, I mean, you just want them to fucking suffer and not have and yeah. just live a long, painful life. Pain, pain, and painful. And being bored and going crazy. Yeah. But if they're going to have art available to them or whatever, my issue that I have is that you can't sell that art to make money. This is this is something I would love. I really want to have a conversation about this because there's a, like I said earlier, there's a, there's a story that I want to do. And in that story, in the end end game of it, a painting gets sold for 
a shit ton of money that they had made. I'm, I want, well, I want to, I want your thoughts on that later on. No, I don't think, I I don't, I don't think, because if you're, if you're buying John Wayne Gacy's painting or Henry Lee Lucas's painting, and then they're getting money for their comic, commissary or whatever yeah to get stuff like fuck is that you how it work? is that how it would work well i don't know i don't know yeah, if they're allowed to make money that way or whatever yeah i'm saying and then it's almost like if you're selling your work then that money should be going towards a foundation yeah toward you know but it's still harsh in the sense of like i'm buying this piece so i could fucking burn it and then put money towards this foundation mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are so during my research of us starting this podcast, I found like two or three different sites that had serial killer, killer, murderer, abuser art on it that you could buy. Yeah. And I it just made me question so much about this, this world that I love and this disgusting people who open these sites. What are you fucking trying to do? What are you trying to say? Yeah. What, what, like, where is your head at at this? This is not a platform for just... N- there is a platform for artists to be able to express themselves and show their work. But when it comes to people who have killed other people and you give them a platform to express themselves, yeah. I feel like you're instigating their their brains, the way that they think. I, yeah. Well, they're, val- they're usually looking for, like, some sort of validation. Yes. Or, you hit you know, the nail on the head. Like, yes. Um... I mean, people often do art. People, what do the people don't want to do? Like one of the biggest fears, like death. They don't want to die without being known. Yeah. That's why you find relationships. That's why you engage in relationships so people can remember you. Yeah. And it's that, that, you know. Well, it's like Columbine, the two Columbine um, shooters. The one guy was so heavily invested in wanting his name to be remembered forever. And Ted Bundy, you know, those confession tapes came out a couple and a couple weeks ago or months ago, whatever. We have no idea when this this episode's going to come out. Yeah. But he he loved the media attention. And there's so many serial killers out there who love. Yes. If you don't print my letter. Oh, you need to listen to Monster, the the new podcast. So it um, they they do. It's on its second season and the second season is all about Zodiac and it goes in depth into the ciphers and stuff he sends to the the newspapers. It's brilliant. There's it's a really show good. There's a on Crave called True Crime with Aphrodite something. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is about the Zodiac killer mm-hmm. and she interviews somebody <clears throat> who says his stepfather was the Zodiac killer. And they so they went through a lot of people that have a... a um, that were saying, oh, this guy's a Zodiac killer. My yeah. dad's a Zodiac killer. My uncle's a Zodiac killer. And they went through this with this guy uh, with all of his photos looking exactly like the sketches of the Zodiac really? killer. And then him being on tape confessing that he, in fact, was the Zodiac killer. And then he claimed that he opened one of his old music box things. That the guy was like, keep it. I don't know. And he opened it and there was the Zodiac killer mask. Oh. And I'm like. Like the executioner mask yeah, thing. Yeah. Everyone- and I'm like, okay, well. Did they DNA test that? Like, I don't know anything. But anyway, it was just trophies. They should look into trophies to see if he had kept any trophies. But I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it was such. A, I have. A, I have the uh, book. When I was in San Francisco, I bought because that's where he's from. He's from San Francisco. The Zodiac Killer. I thought it was appropriate to buy the book in San Francisco. Yeah. Based on a San Franciscan. I think so. 
murderer. But I'm so glad that we got to redo this. Okay, well, hang on here. Yeah, let's what hang on. What happened to them? Are they still alive? Uh, so Otis is dead. Okay. But uh, uh, Henry died just recently in the 2000s. I don't remember exactly. I only got this far. So they didn't get the death penalty. Did they not have the death penalty in mm. those states? They just didn't get it. Oh, wow. I know. They were, I think there was a, a life sentence, but. Multiple life sentences? Oh, there should be. If they've, if, especially Henry com- confessing to 600, 100 murders. Yeah. That was beautiful. This was good. It was good. It was good. I think that's it. We don't have any updates or anything or, no, oh, we <laughs> make sure you guys follow us on, <laughs> on Facebook. You can just search us the art of murder. Um, and then we've got Instagram, the art of murder there. Email us art of murder podcast at gmail.com. Email us your hometown murders, your, your favorite crime stories. Give us some suggestions on, on artish murder stories. Um, yeah, we'll take your suggestions. Yeah. Or just I drop mean, us a line. Say we hi. Might not do them. Excuse Anna. me. Just you can email us. Tell me if you like or do not like my burping on the podcast. It's gross. I love it. <laughs> Fucking gross. I hate it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, what else? I think that's all. Right. That's all of our social medias in one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. For Until listening. next time. Ambient toast. toast. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Shit, yeah. Let's get you plowed. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get me plowed real I'm gonna, good. I'm going to help you plow oh. yourself and get you out it's of a sucks. snowy situation.